list of things you want to do before you die mm-hmm. or, in first commas, kick the bucket. Yes. That's excellent. This comes from hanging. Because a short drop hanging, often the person was stood on a bucket. The executioner would then kick the bucket out from underneath them and they would hang. Well, that's a much darker... Uh, Isn't it just? For that title. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Candide, episode 36. 36. We're coming back for the final of our two-parter on torture and execution. Now that I think about it, we probably didn't have to make it a two-parter. There's really nothing related to either of them, despite the fact that occasionally one comes after the previous one. Yeah. We could have just done two separate episodes. I think the some of the motivation, I talked slightly about some of the motivation for execution being similar to torture. Oh, true. You know, I think there's, it, it induces fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, They're very similar things, but also can occur in two dissimilar things. Very much so. So, oh yeah, I'm Mackenzie. Oh gosh, yes, of course. The girl with the blue hair. Yeah. We're recording this on the same day as we recorded the previous episode. That's true. So we're a little uh, out of normal... We're, we're not used to doing two episodes in a row. We don't usually do two episodes back in to back when day. we record. Yes. We, we normally record one episode, record another episode. So we're doing two episodes back to back and it's thrown both of us because we don't know who <laughs> we are anymore. Um, Wait, yeah. I'm, I'm David. Yep. And, um, yeah. Cool. So uh, now David's going to get started on executions. Warning, this is not for... This is not a family-friendly episode. It's not family-friendly. I will probably be listing this as explicit. Yes. Um, it's gruesome. Yes. So if you're squeamish, maybe go check out uh, the Elizabethan episode or the Incan episode yeah. or any episode that isn't this episode. Yeah. If you if you are squeamish, it's it, it's graphic. And it's fun because uh, David's extremely squeamish. Yeah. And David is it's the one who weird. decided to do this. I did. And he's the one who did the research for this. And I'm actually not squeamish at all, really. No. And I took one look at the physical torture methods and said, I'm going to do psychological torture. I know. Because it made me physically nauseated. But now we're going to talk about execution. And you should see David's face right now. So we will uh, continue. Okay. Um, And I am slightly breaking our tenure rule in this. Just very, very slightly. A couple of things. So... There is no capital punishment in any of the countries of the European Union. In Canada, Australia, some countries of Southern and Western Africa, and most of South America. Although it is still practiced in some states of the United States, China, India, Japan, throughout the Middle East, and Northeast Africa. Russia retains the death penalty, but in practice it doesn't use it, and this um, is true also of a number of countries in northeast and central Africa. In 2016, only 21 countries carried out the death penalty. Was it was the US one of them? Yes, the US was one of them. Yeah. As you... This maybe should not be too surprising to the listeners who listened to our previous episode on psychological torture, that the US would be one of the... Uh, countries that in 2016 carried out the death penalty. It's not countrywide in, no. in the US. It's, it's a, a lot of things aren't countrywide in the US. The, the US is a weird yeah. amalgamate, amalgam, amalgamation? Um, <laughs> collection. A weird collection. And, of and state laws separate and federal little, laws. Little separate countries, I like to think. Yeah, of I think that's a really good way of describing it. Um, countries that still have capital punishment use a variety of methods including hanging, about which more later, shooting, about which more later, lethal injection, which is quite interesting. This is done in a couple of states in America, mm-hmm. and they're recently um, having to stop this because the drugs come from Europe, and the companies in Europe are no longer supplying them with the drugs. So they're, they're controlling this unintentionally. Yes. Um, electrocution is always used, and in Saudi Arabia, beheading by a sword. Okay, so it's no good, it is nothing for any nation to come over all holier than thou 
over executions. I couldn't find a country or a civilization that has not used capital punishment at some stage in the yes. past. They they do it, you know. So it's no good sitting in your country and saying, "Oh, aren't we good boys and girls? We don't do this." You did. But this does not mean that we are not allowed to condemn we, the countries who still use it. We absolutely condemn countries who still use it. Um, I sort of sort of go on slightly about this. Um, so as well as punishment and a deterrent, or is it more accurately revenge? Um, executions nowadays are carried out as humanely and quickly as possible, although historically there was a desire for execution to be long, lingering and painful. Yes. To act as a deterrent, but also to demonstrate the absolute power of a ruler or government. Yes. Now, the execution to, to take somebody's life does not actually act as a deterrent. Otherwise, countries that have it, have capital punishment would never actually use it because it would be a deterrent and nobody would commit the crime. Well, no one's been murdered in the U.S. at all exactly. recently. So. Exactly. Um, but there's an element of intimidation mm-hmm. in um, executions. Potential enemies, potential invaders may hear of a form of execution and that convinces them not to attack Two reasons. One, because they're attacking a country that is utterly ruthless. They'll do this to their own people. So what will they do to an invader? And also, the enemy, any potential enemy may be scared of what might happen if some of their people become prisoners. Now, this is why I break our tenure rule, and I apologise, but it, it's, a, it's such a good example of this. We've seen this in the last few years over much publicised public executions carried out by the Islamic State yes. in the Middle East. They used execution as a weapon of war to intimidate their enemies mm-hmm. and you know this is this is part of it i'm looking more at historical methods yes. of execution yes okay i can see what the first one is and that is thankfully in the past it is in the past yes and in the past for quite a long time really um hanged drawn and quartered yeah this the- Sorry? The first time I heard about hanged, hanging, drawing, and quartering, I had a completely different uh, feeling on it. Is I, I did not know what it was. Right. And then I actually read into it, and mm. it's a significantly more gruesome than it sounds. Like, it sounds pretty gruesome. That's, it does sound quite gruesome. If you don't gruesome. know what drawing is, it sounds less gruesome than it is. Mm. But once you find out what being drawn is... Yeah, it's not good. It's not great. It's not so good. this is your official... Skip ahead to the very ending. Absolutely, yeah. Go beyond the break. Go beyond the break. And you you come to the break in this episode. After that, it's not too gruesome. Okay. Okay? So, from here until 20 minutes, 25 minutes in? Yeah. I will put it on the show notes, which is redundant now that you're already listening to it. But if you're listening to it and you got to this point, on the show notes, it says at what point it stops being gruesome. Oh, good. Okay. That's good. Okay, so this is a type of execution that was a form of a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much a deterrent. It's very much an English method of execution and widely considered one of the most brutal forms of execution ever devised. So it says, I would take exception to that. Some of the things I saw were horrendous, which aren't um, included. Yeah. Not included. I don't there. think that... That's kind of a race to the bottom. Yeah. To try is. to figure out which is most Which is the worst. Yeah. This, this is horrible. So in the first instance, the, the, the victim mm-hmm. is tied to a wooden frame and dragged to the location of their execution. The execution is in public, which is important I'm already cringing. Yeah. And it's not even as bad yeah, as Yeah, that's not bad, get. is it? That's not bad, really. You know, it's, it's important that it is in public. Mm-hmm. Because if it's, if it's treason, and this is what it's um, usually... This is in an English context, is it not? Yeah. That, you know, if you're going to go against the crown, against the government, yes. everybody's got to see what happens to you. So you go there. You are then hanged until you are almost dead. Note the word almost, almost there. Almost. That is the horrific thing. Yeah. Right? You, you are still alive. So this but is you not are a, choked this and is it's not horrendous. a neck breaking no, instance. No, it's not. It's a strangulation yes. thing. 
And if you think back to our previous episode, you know, the, 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 the threat of immediate death. You are there and you're thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. The thing is, of course, they knew they weren't. That's even worse because they know what's going next. So immediately after being taken down, their abdomen was opened and their entrails were removed. Drawing. While they were still alive. While they were still alive. Drawing. Yes. They were drawn out of their body. As the victim watched, they were then burned before his or her eyes. The entrails? The entrails. We've done that. I suspect that this may be a bit of historic license. I've got to say that the shock or blood loss could well have got to the stage where you didn't know. Or just unconscious. Like, yeah, people break their collarbones and pass out. Yeah. I would imagine that... They could. Oh, surgery, basically. Yeah. Without anesthetic, probably, is enough Probably. Pain. They're then strangled and beheaded. Like, strangled until dead? Yes. So now they're hanged again until Well, no, they're, they're physically strangled by the executioner. The oh. executioner strangles them. That's... So... One must say, that's not a good job to have. Not if it's your job. It puts meat on the table. It's still not a great job to have. Like, if you're doing that or being a farmer, I think I'd take the farmer. Yeah, I suppose so, but... You know, they, they so, it was, I, I can, can't recall a situation where there's much humming and hawing and who we're going to get to do the executions anymore. There's always be somebody around who will do it. So, okay, so we've got the hanging and the drawing. Mm-hmm. And once the quartering, the body, where the head has been detached, the body is then divided into four parts and placed in various locations around the country. Yes. The head would normally be placed on a pike perhaps on London Bridge, perhaps at the Tower of London, um, but bits of the body would be sent to different parts of the country. Perhaps if it was um, somebody who had a, a rebellion to places where his rebellion was strong and say, look, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, the punishment was only used on men. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Convicted women were generally burnt at the stake. Oh, so, great. I talk about that later, actually. Um, Guy Fawkes, the gunpowder plot, he was going yes. to blow up remember, James the first, fifth of, of November. November. I remembered it this time. Good. Well done, well done. He was due to die in this way, but when they put the noose around his neck, he threw himself off the scaffold and it broke his neck. So he denied himself. That's a good call. That's it. a good call. A good call on Guy Fawkes. They carried on and did everything anyway. Well, of course they did. Because they can't just say, well, oh... Oh, darn, it's your sport all fun now, so... Yeah. You know, no, they just carried on and did That's it. That's the whole revenge part of it. Absolutely. It's the revenge part, it's a deterrent part, and this is, this is it. And, as I say, it's reserved for those who committed treason and would prevent people doing similar acts. Okay. Impalement. Mm-hmm. Um, not something ever did in Britain, or, as far as I know, in America. The forced the victim to sit on a sharp and thick pole. And then the pole was raised upright and the victim was allowed to slide down the pole by their own weight. And in, in where I picked this up, it says, it could take the victim several days to die during this method. I've got to say that seems unlikely. Well, in a lot of cases, like I was talking about the Judas chair with you, yeah. they would occasionally raise them up. Yeah. Prevent them from dying. But if you think, you know, so, several days, the thirst is going to get to them, mm-hmm. blood loss is going to get to them fairly quickly, to be honest. You know, you, you've only got to nick an artery, and you're talking about minutes. Um, so I think this is a case of, of deterrent. Mm-hmm. This is a case of this is what we're going to do. Lithographs produced, woodcuts produced of this. And, you know, can you imagine how painful it's going to be? Can you imagine how long it's going to last? And things like I do not see it lasting several days, to be honest. Anyway, the... The, the, this the Monty method, Python, get on with it. Yeah. Comes yeah, to mind. It does, doesn't it? Method was favoured by Vlad the Impaler in 15th century Romania, yeah. who Dracula was based he on. He didn't get that name for just fun. He didn't. And he, he didn't. It. 
He didn't get it for making cheese on cocktail sticks no. for cocktail parties. Ooh, I'm um, never going to look at those the same way again. You can't do it. You can't. It's ruined my life. Of <laughs> said that Vlad once did this to 20,000 people at the same time while enjoying a luxurious meal. Again, I think this is gross exaggeration. Uh, yeah, but even if he did it to four people while yeah. enjoying a luxury, that's what you call sadistic. It's sadistic. It's... I think um, that's a, in the just for fun category. It's a, mm, I think it's a don't mess with us because we'll do this to our own people. So think what we'll do to you. Uh, we won't put any grease on. To the which I respond, why not both? Why not both? Why not indeed? Okay, mm. so to go to China. Oh, good. Ling Chai. I hope I pronounced that right. I don't know if I have. Um, also known as death by slow cutting. Or, or the lingering death, mm-hmm. or death of a thousand cuts. Um, this form of execution was not outlawed in China until 1905. And amongst the research I did for it, I saw a photograph of it happening. Wait, what did you just say? 1905? 1905. Now, I saw a photo of it happened. It's not pleasant. It involves small pieces of the victim's body being slowly and methodically removed while the executioner tried to keep him or her alive for as long as possible. There are parts of the body that you can cut things, bits off. Yeah, like your fingers. Yeah, fingers. Just fingers a little fingers bit of flesh. bleed a lot. Just a little see. bit of flesh. Um, thighs, yeah. buttocks, things like this, where there's, where there's a, a amount of flesh that you don't really miss. Well, I say you don't really see it. Would, it would spoil your afternoon, but it's not going to kill you. You know, you're not cutting somebody's throat. Yes. You're not cutting an artery or something like this. Yes. So, okay. So, I, I looked as well, and it's going to be said perhaps, um, how bizarre this is, the best known form of historical execution is crucifixion. Oh, yes, of course. You know, this, th- this was an execution. The, 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 the crucifixion of Christ was an execution. There's no question about the Romans. Doubt. Well, obviously the Romans, but the Romans. And it was a, a Roman method of yeah. of execution. I'm really fond of it. Yeah, and it was intended to be slow and painful and humiliating. So it's usually after a prolonged period of beating or torture, the victims were either nailed or tied to a wooden cross. It's where they would sometimes hang for several days. Mm-hmm. Death, when it did come, usually came by suffocation or by heart failure as the victim could no longer hold themselves up to breathe. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a stress position mm-hmm. and, and you're doing it. Um, when the Romans executed Christ, it was done on Friday, mm-hmm. the, the Saturday being the Jewish Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So it could be said that Pontius Pilate was giving some consideration here because the, um, there was nobody could be, could be executed on the Sabbath. Mm. So Christ had to die on the Friday, and he was killed. Then they put a spear into his side. Other methods of doing it, they would break, use um, a, a big hammer to break arms or legs and just cause extra pain. Mm-hmm. And, or well, if you break their legs, they're less likely to be able to hold themselves up. Yeah, yeah, and th- this sort of thing. So, you know, so I can see that sort of execution lasting a number of days, and I can also see bodies being left on a, a cross as a deterrent. Yeah. Again, here. You have a lot of times when I think is that all you're saying about? Ex- is that all you're saying about crucifixion? Yes. Well, during like rebellions in the Roman Empire, they would line the roads. Yes. To Rome, with crucified. With crucified people. Yes. Yeah. So that's. As a you're on your way to Rome. Yeah. Maybe to rebel. You see quite a few people that have that are lining the roads. You think maybe maybe it's, not. It's don't don't mess with us. It's don't mess with us. This is what we do. And sort of often we're doing it to our own people. Mm-hmm. Um and it's um here's another form of execution that that's in the Bible, stoning. Mm-hmm. And the the actual term is lapidation. That oh. sounds a lot more pleasant. I must it does say. sound. It's, it does sound about mostly because John what that word means. Just like drawing doesn't yes. sound as awful as what happened as what it is. I know. So it this is capital punishment and torture in one. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. Um, a group throws stones at a person until he or she dies. 
methods vary. Um, the, the victim is often bound or partially buried. Yeah. The usual method is for them to be buried to the waist upwards. Mm-hmm. And then stones are thrown and eventually that kills them. Mm-hmm. You know, smaller or larger stones. This has actually been stone. featured in popular culture recently. Yes. The spoiler alert, I'm about to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale, one of the ways that they, um, that they, the only way that they kill people who commit crimes in The Handmaid's Tale, handmaids or people who have raped a handmaiden are stoned to death by the handmaids. It's really psychologically, the handmaids in this show being concubines held against their will for the sole, sole purpose of reproducing the population. Right. So they stone they still know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about that. I've never heard of that. Anyway, okay. So, stoning is still legal and is performed in many parts of the world. Pakistan, northern Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Mauritania, and Yemen. So, we're, we're talking a method of execution that goes back to biblical times mm-hmm. and probably before. It's still, still used now. Burning at the stake. Yay. That's the S-T-A-K-E, not yes. S-T-E-A-K. Um, well-known type of execution, co- commonly mentioned. Um, you know, Joan of Arc was burnt at the stake. Yeah, people approach it with a lot more flippantly than they probably should. Yeah. Like, witches being burned at the stake. I was going to say, witches and unbelievers is a common... Common oh, one. true, during the uh, during, Bloody Mary. Yeah, the and first. during the Spanish Inquisition mm-hmm. and this sort of thing. Um, it's it's a common one. It was used in America. I do know that, so that they, they did some of it there. The victim would be bound to a, a large wooden stake and surrounded and above a collection of flammable materials, usually wood. Mm-hmm. Usually wood. If the fire was large, fixed it a instance when a number of people were executed at the same time death often came from carbon monoxide poisoning um, before the flames actually caused harm to the body although it was a horrific death and there's no getting away from that there were several forms of inverted commas mercy mm-hmm. that were shown um, in some cases a noose was placed around the victim's neck and as the fire was lit somebody would, would pull back on the noose and strangle the person so they didn't suffer from the burning. Um, sometimes bundles of damp wood were placed on top of the... the, of the um, pyre. The pyre, pyre, thank you. And that would produce a lot of smoke. It would render the victim either unconscious or poisoned by carbon monoxide again. And this one, I'm not entirely sure it's a mercy, inverted commas, but sometimes it wasn't uncommon to place a bag of gunpowder around the neck of the victim. So as the flames got to it, the gunpowder exploded and they were killed. Uh, I would much rather die via an explosion than die via slowly uh, yes, I su- roasting. Yes, I, su- I suppose so. I suppose so. But I've got to say... It's ex- just as much mercy as a noose or... An explosion around the neck area. You've got to be talking about getting the right amount of gunpowder and... Yeah, but that's like one of those things. Like, let's just put a lot... Yeah, yeah, it probably was. But that would kill the victim mm-hmm. and do that. So, okay. If if you want um, an example of making a point with an execution to deter others, being blown from the mouth of a cannon has got to be right up there. Oh, I know. I saw this when I was printing it. I didn't read it, but right. just the phrase blown from the mouth of a cannon. Yeah. I saw it when I was printing your show notes. Yeah. You can't see my face, but it's disgust and horror. Yeah, yeah. The, the victim is tied um, by their wrists and ankles to the wheel of the gun, mm-hmm. back, backwards, spread-eagled, that, with their backs to the barrel, and the gun is then fired. Um, probably needless to say, but I am saying it, no cannonball was needed, the explosion from the gun, bearing in mind that a gun would send a, a jet of flame round about between half the length of the barrel and the full length of the barrel out of it mm-hmm. as it fired... The, that would be more than enough. It would um, destroy the body, mm-hmm. like blow it to pieces. And the method was used by the British 
After the Sepoy Rebellion in India in 1857, and the ringleaders were executed in this matter on Delhi race course in front of large crowds. Um, it was revenge and it was deterrent and there was a religious aspect to it because um, Muslim soldiers would wish to be buried whole. You have to be buried, yes. Buried whole. And the chances of being buried whole after being blown from the mouth of a cannon is virtually nil. I think, In fact, it is nil. Yes, I think that's one of those... The reason why I, you saw me reach over and grab my thesis yeah. was there was there is a significant correlate not correlate yeah correlation between religion burial rites and the thought on dissection post mortem as like an anatomical use for a while I think in seventeen fifty two England had a statute that if you murdered someone or committed some other horrific act that you you were hanged or however you were killed mm. but then you had to be used as an anatomical or dissected right. afterwards yeah as a mark of being evil right basically. yes yeah you look at um the the great british naval uh, victories at the end of the 18th mm-hmm. century early 19th that if, if somebody was blown to pieces on a British ship, the body parts would just be thrown over the side. Yeah. When British boarders went onto French ships and Spanish ships, body parts were there because the idea was to bury these people as mm-hmm. wholly as you could. And the first thing the British soldiers would would throw them over the side, which horrified and demoralised the Catholics on the French and the Spanish mm-hmm. ships. So, you know, the, there is always this aspect of it. Deterrent and... Revenge and it's making a point. It's making a point, really. Funny. So is that perhaps somewhere to to finish? To make for the break. For the break. Yes. For the break. Um. So we'll stop here. We'll take a break, and afterwards we'll get less graphic. Yeah, less graphic. Okay. Less graphic. Still somber. Still upsetting, but less. Believe it or not. Graphic. There were a couple of laughs at the end. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. I would just hope that we could end this a little yeah. less awfully. Yeah, we do. Um, the whole thing with this is, even though it's awful to talk about, there's a reason you need to talk about it. You can't just skim over the unpleasant parts of history. No. That's kind of how we got to where we are very recently, is by skimming over the unpleasant parts of history. And with that, we will take a break. And talk about our new exciting news that people who listened to the last episode already heard. Newsletter! (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do a monthly newsletter. Mm -hmm. And we would love it if you would sign up to this. You can do that on the Hesterno website, H-E-S. T-E-R-N-O dot com website. And if you go to the show notes for the Inca episode. Yes. Or, well now, it's the Inca or the torture. Or the torture. torture Or the torture episode. Starting with episode 34, the Inca episode. Onward. You can sign up for the the newsletter. And it says on the, the, when you're giving your details of your email address, that we will not be giving this email address out to anybody else. Anybody or anything. We don't have advertisers right now to sell your email address to, but even when we have advertisers, you will not... You will not be hearing from advertisers. You will not be hearing from advertisers. We will, we will never sell it. your information to anybody. We won't. we won't give your information to anyone. All you'll get is... Uh, Once a month, we will have a monthly newsletter, and then whenever we have like really cool, exciting news... Yeah. We'll let you guys know of that too. We might circulate to you and say, look, this is coming up and we want you to know because we're excited about it and we hope you will be too. So you're not going to get bombarded with anything. You're not even going to get bombarded with stuff from us. No. It's a once a month No spam. Newsletter. Yeah. No. Just once a month a newsletter. And I think that's our break. I think it is. And then we will come back and finish up with executions. And we're back. And now David is going to finish up with executions. Executions. Less gruesome now. Less gruesome. If you are very squeamish, you can come back. 
come back, squeamish people. You can. And the rest of it is a lot more chill. It is. It's um, as far as executions go. Yeah, Pe- people. Yeah, the, the mentions executions. It doesn't go into graphic detail, and towards the end, there's a couple of things that are a little bit lighter to it. Anyway, I must say, when you were talking about burning at the stake, the only thing I was thinking about was the Monty Python. The is she a witch? Oh right, yes, I know. That's all I could think about yeah. while you're talking about that. In Monty Python's Life of Brian, there's a stoning as well. Oh yes, yes, and and the crucifixion too. And the crucifixion in, as well. Yeah. That that if you like is is funny because it's by funny I mean funny strange. Um, British attitude to death. Mm-hmm. We've got a problem with death. The 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 D word is very seldom used. There's always you know um, a euphemism for yes. death. They have passed on. Yeah, I they think have, that's an American thing, too. Yeah? Yeah. If you want to talk about the, the dead parrot sketch in Monty Python, they're all euphemisms for it's died. You know, it's shuffled off this mortal coil, <laughs> gone to join the choir invisible. We, we have problems with it. And yet, at the same time, we can talk very openly about death. Con- confronting death is, is, a, is a, an issue, you know, with lots of civilizations, lots of people, lots of countries. And, um, you know, it's, it's important looking historically... These things happened, and they still happen. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, it's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, you know, because it's not nice stuff, doesn't mean we don't talk about it. Anyway, so when, last time, before the break, I spoke about different forms of executions. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, this time, talk to you about hanging. Um, obviously, a form of execution. It's, good, it's, good, it's not graphic. It's, I'll tell you about it. And that's that's it. Okay. And um, then some specific executions. So okay. like oh, specific people. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so hanging goes back to biblical times and almost certainly before. Um, a person has a ligature, a rope, or something tied around their neck, and they are suspended or hung off the ground. The weight of their own body causes them to be strangled. As a means of execution, it's comparatively simple. It doesn't need any special equipment. And, as these things go, it is relatively quick. Relatively. Um, initially, when you compare it to drawing and quartering, yes. Yeah. Initially, the short drop was used, which pretty well ensured that the victim was strangled. Um, but in Britain and, and elsewhere, um, this was modified to the long drop, where the body would fall further and it was far more likely death to be caused by breaking of the neck, mm-hmm. which was, was quick. Slightly more humane, as far as, as execution go. go. Just going back, I found this this morning, and it, it was absolutely unbelievable. It was, although it's used throughout the world, this is somebody called Viscount Templewood. I don't know who Viscount Templewood would, was, but he could have been writing in the 1750s or the 1850s, but he wrote this in 1951, and he thought it was a very British form of execution. He wrote, in 1951, not quite in my living memory, but he wrote, executions are so much a part of British history that it is almost impossible for many excellent people to think of a future without them. He's not wrong. I know. You know, this could have been written 1650s, 1750s, 1850s, but he's writing this, you know, 60 years ago. In Britain, the 18th century, hanging had become the principal punishment for capital crimes. Mm-hmm. By, by that time, this is how, how we did it. And the 18th century also saw the start of the movement for the abolition of the death penalty. Yes. So at the same time, do this. And isn't this redolent of, of slavery? That... Britain is, you know, a leading force in, in slavery and also a leading force in abolition of slavery. Well, it's one of those things where we're not doing this anymore, so none of you can either. Yeah. I mean, that's the slave trade. The we're slave not trade. making money off this anymore, so, so we're going to need either. you to not make money off yeah. this anymore. Yeah. So in 1770, British politician William Meredith suggested more proportionate punishments for crimes. And he was followed in the early 19th century by a legal reformer and solicitor general. So this is the chief law officer of the country. So that's like uh, attorney general in the US? Yes. 
Yes, the, the chief law officer in the, in the country, Samuel Romley, and the Scottish jurist and politician and historian James Mackintosh, both of whom introduced bills into Parliament in an attempt to decapitalise minor crimes. Now, minor crimes, in the 18th and 19th centuries, there were 222 crimes in Britain mm-hmm. that were, were defined as capital offences. Okay, so yeah, they're 222. Relatively minor, some of them. It includes the impersonation of a Chelsea pensioner. The Chelsea pensioners were soldiers who'd, who'd gone through their military service and they were perhaps disabled or they'd fallen on hard times. Oh, so this is kind of, I understand, you, yes. you would become um, a Chelsea, an, in, an in-pensioner, they were called. Yes. And they were looked after in a hospital in, in Chelsea. And they still exist now. There's mm-hmm. still Chelsea pensioners now. Um, but so in, impersonating a Chelsea pensioner. Now, the problem with that was that Chelsea pensioners enjoyed a status in British society. And if they walked into a pub, somebody would buy them a, a pint of beer and somebody else would buy them their lunch yeah, or something as a thank you for their service in the past. So impersonating Chelsea pensioner, you know, this was bad news, damaging Westminster Bridge. What about Westminster Bridge made it so blue? But Westminster Bridge, you know. But like in which way? Like, oh, I drew on it? You like drew I... on it, yeah. You painted on it, painted down with the government. That's it. You could be hanged. You chipped a bit of stone off it as a souvenir. What if you like fell and accidentally damaged it? I think if you fell and accidentally damaged it, bearing in mind it's a stone bridge, I think accidentally banging your head on it is more likely to cause you damage than the bridge. But what it but is now, about what if you bleed on it? <laughs> well, you bleed on it, maybe yeah. But Westminster Bridge. The only thing I could think of with that is it's the one right next to Parliament. Yes. So it would be attached to attack on the, on Parliament. Um, interesting. So if like you try to attack Parliament and you fail and only attack Westminster, Westminster Bridge, Bridge, like we're still taking this seriously. We're still taking it seriously, and indeed, recently there've been terrorist outrage mm-hmm. on Westminster Bridge and involved in the the guy being shot by yes. um, security forces in Parliament. Okay. Moreover, the law did not distinguish between adults and children. And strong evidence of malice in a child 7 to 14 years of age was also a hanging matter. Strong evidence of malice. We might now call them naughty kids. What do you mean, yeah, strong evidence of malice? A bad kid. That's pretty subjective. Yeah. Or mentally ill children. Or mentally ill children. This this was, from the government's point of view, a nice catch-all. That you have. I'm pretty sure he's malice. He's, yeah. He has a lot of malice. In he, him. he shows strong evidence of malice. This Stole he's, my sheep. Yeah. Although stealing sheep is probably. Stealing sheep was definitely. That was one of the 222. Stealing a loaf of bread was another mm-hmm. one. But if. Um, you know, a nasty, what we might call a lower class, a, a scally chaff mm-hmm. kid gave cheek to. Um, this is very representative of the Jim Crow era of the United right. States. Into yeah. the ne- and okay. for um, Or during enslavement into the Jim Crow era, you have free and enslaved blacks who are at the will and mercy of whites around them. Yeah. Um, Emmett Till supposedly whistled at a white woman. Right. During the Jim Crow era. The, he wasn't... Uh, he was lynched. I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, no. Uh, it wasn't a capital crime, but this is a but during is, the enslavement era. Yeah, that you're talking about a, you know, um, a child doing no more than giving cheek. Yeah, could be interpreted as. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the same thing that happened to Emmett Till. Okay. You supposedly whistled at a white woman. A hanging, hanging matter, and it was not until 1861 that the number of capital crimes was reduced to just four by the Criminal Law Consolidation Act. You, we, we, have, we pass laws every now and then in this country, and the Criminal Law Consolidation Act is one. It brings lots of things mm-hmm. in together, and it reduced these. Um, okay, so there were four crimes that you could be, be hanged for after 1861. Murder, obviously. Arson in a royal dockyard. Starting a fire in a royal dockyard. Treason. And piracy with violence. 
So what if it's piracy without violence? Piracy without violence. So what if I just okay. like go up to someone and I'm like, uh, your boat is mine now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Then it's fine? It's fine. Cool. If they hit you on the head with the butt of their sword or the butt of their pistol or something and render you unconscious and take your boat off you, then they're going to hang. Well, yeah, that's violence. For a, a seafaring nation, piracy with violence is a very important yeah. one. That was a way that we could hang a lot of people if we wanted to. Firing a gun off a ship at your ship mm-hmm. would be piracy with violence, yeah. even if it didn't hit anyone. So further reform followed. And the last public hanging took place in 1868, after which all executions were carried out within prison walls. So, okay. so you'll have heard of the expression, a bucket list, mm-hmm. perhaps. A list of things you want to do before you die, mm-hmm. or, in verse commas, kick the bucket. Yes. That's the expression. This comes from hanging. Because a short drop hanging, often the person was stood on a bucket... The executioner would then kick the bucket out from underneath them, and they would hang. Well, that's a much darker... Uh, Isn't it just? For that title now. Yeah. <laughs> People will happily say, oh, it's on my bucket list. See, but this oh, goes back wait, to hanging. Never mind. <laughs> this goes back to hanging. So, so that's okay. Duke of Monmouth, claimant to the British throne, um, illegitimate son of... Probably Charles II. I'm not, it's not my, particularly my period of history. Anyway, he led the Monmouth Rebellion, mm-hmm. 1685, and it was it was fa- it failed, obviously. And I hate that. The, the, the bloody assizes followed, um, not as a swear word, but bloody because a lot of people were executed. A lot of his... Most like Bloody Mary. Yes. Yes. A lot of his primary followers were executed. And here we, we go. And in 1685, he's not going to be hanged, drawn and quartered. He is going to be beheaded. You know, somehow better. And it's quicker. Yeah, quicker. At the vital moment, he pulled his head away. He lost his nerve. He pulled his head away. The execution, of course, missed. Monmouth, seeing his chance, upped and ran. I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. How many... You're not getting more chances there. You're not going to get more chances. There was a huge crowd, an enormous crowd. Thousands of people had come to see this. Um, The crowd parted to let him through. I am not a part of this. How how there isn't a guard of soldiers around this execution site, I don't know. Maybe there was. I mean, maybe this is not something that happens very often. There probably was after that. The, The crowd parted, and he started to run. The executioner... Ran after him. This is like a terrible cartoon. It is. The executioner, Was he course, carrying, like, the thing? Carrying his axe. What, what else? He was paid to execute the Duke of Monmouth. He would not get his money if he did it. So he, he ran after this him. This reminds me of, like, Tom and Jerry cartoons. It's not unlike. Swinging his axe, he caught the Duke of Monmouth across the shoulder, which slowed him down a touch. Monmouth went to the ground... And the execution was carried on the floor. The executioner put his foot on his back. Yeah. So he wasn't going anywhere Honestly, this time. Honestly, that's exactly what I was picturing. And he beheaded him there. So, okay. We, we sort of laughed when we did this. But this was the revenge bit and the oh, yeah. deterrent bit. And it didn't matter if you were off. You were still going to get it. And, well, um, I mean, maybe if he would have gotten away. If it would have been a little bit quicker, he might have he, gotten away. He, he might have done. It may, be, it may be Monmouth had supporters in the crowd. It may be that the he was just slower than the executioner. It may be. It, and the executioner was, is like, uh, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. I had one job. One job, and you got <laughs> it wrong. And I've got to say, by the time the Duke of Monmouth got to the edge of the crowd, I think there'd been more than one person after him. I think there'd have been soldiers around and they'd have been after him and, and this sort Or at of least for every execution following them, they're like, maybe we should have soldiers there. Maybe we should have some sort of um, a cordon round here to stop this happening. 1648, English Civil War. The city of Colchester is besieged by the parliamentarian forces. Sir Charles Lucas is a royalist and he is in command of the garrison. He is what's called the governor of the, mm-hmm. If you're if, um, in a siege situation or in a castle situation, the, the commander is called the governor. So he's the governor of, of um, Colchester Garrison. Um, the parliamentarians succeeded. They took the town. They took the castle. 
and Lucas was to be shot by firing squad. There was considerable um, issues at the time that they broke the, the rules of the, the thing. What the usual rules were, don't you love the fact there's rules to a siege, that a, a, um, if the garrison surrenders, if they see that we've mm-hmm. no hope here, we surrender, they're allowed to march out of the um, of the town without being molested by the by the enemy. If the enemy break in, then they can just kill anyone they want. Those are the rules. The town surrendered, and he showed though immense bravery in front of a firing squad. He was due to be shot by firing squad, and guns then were not what they are now. They were not as accurate as they are now. So he shouted at the firing party. He shouted at the firing squad, "Take good aim, so you kill me and don't wound me." Make sure you kill me with these shots. I don't want to be wounded to have a lingering death, because it would be a lingering death if you wounded. One of the soldiers shouted back not to worry, that they'd make sure of the job. And he replied, he said, over the last few months during the siege, I've been a lot closer to your muskets than I am now, and you missed me. What what a hero. What a brave guy. The firing squad took two steps forward. To make sure they got him. But what a guy. See, I'm not seeing this as a make sure you kill me instead of wound me because I, because I don't want to die like that. I see it as a because I'm going to come after you if you miss. You yeah. give me the opportunity. You're getting one chance. This is That is probably very valid. This was a brave guy. This yeah, was you're a, getting one chance. You get one chance. And if you miss, yeah. you're going to regret that. You're going to regret this. I'm coming after you. That's a good point. In military firing squads in, in Britain, um, they were made up of soldiers from the victim's regiment, from the defender's regiment. He, would, he was shot. By maybe, his friends? Maybe not by his friends, but by other soldiers from the, the regiment. The, the regiment did the execution. They didn't well, bring people the from other we're things. We're talking about, what is it, World War One, where you can be shot yeah. for cowardice? Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, that's it's the whole to point. to demonstrate, you might think it's bad on the front lines, but... Yeah. This is what's happening otherwise. And just to make sure the regiment was mm-hmm. paraded, they all watched, they all saw it. And now, I, I don't know if this happened elsewhere. I suspect it did, but it certainly happened in, in this country. One rifle was loaded with a blank round. Yes. There's a thing to go bang, but there's no bullet on the end of it. That way, yeah. Yeah. And these, the, the rifles were handed to the soldiers, so each member of the firing party could assume that they had not fired the fatal shot, okay? Now, um, before the Nazis were tried at the end of the last war, before the famous Nuremberg trials, it was assumed that some, if not all of them, would face the death penalty, mm-hmm. that their crimes were sufficiently appalling. And the Americans and the French suggested that executions be carried out by military firing squad. But it was Churchill... Um, Britain's wartime leader he was not Prime Minister at this stage but he said no he said we shoot soldiers these are not soldiers they are common criminals and they shouldn't be granted um, a soldier's death Mm -hmm. they should be hanged instead and that's how the hangings happened and just to finish this and it is a, a, a finish on a light note and it's connected with the name of our podcast 1759 the French writer Voltaire wrote a satire called Condide, the name of the podcast. In it, the hero, Condide, witnesses the execution of a British admiral, Admiral Bing, B-Y-N-G, Admiral Bing, shot in 1757 on the deck of his own ship for his perceived inadequacies in failing to relieve the siege of Minorca. He was Mm -hmm. court-martialed. You could have done more, you could have raise this siege. And Condide asks his companion, he says, why are the English, I've got to say English because it's in the quotation, shooting one of their own admirals? And the reply is, oh, the English like to execute an admiral every now and then to encourage the others. Pour encourager les autres. The, the English like to execute an admiral to, every now and then to encourage the others. So, it's a gruesome, horrible podcast, and we talked about death and mutilation, horrible things, but I just like to think that that's just a smile 
at the end of it. Yes, and the whole point of why we're doing this is because we don't shy away from difficult topics. We don't. We don't think that history should be ignored because because it is uncomfortable for some. Because that is how you get into the situation in which history is repeated. Yes. And it's just something I'm extremely passionate about, as I'm sure many, many historians are, is that just because... Or just because a country's history makes them quote-unquote look bad does not mean it should be ignored or memorialized in any way. No. Because that is how it repeats itself. One of, when we first started talking about doing this podcast, one of the very first decisions that we made was that we will not shy away from difficult subjects. Mm-hmm. We've done two podcasts now. We've talked about torture. We've talked about execution. Um, The next one that we're going to do, we're going to talk about swearing. Yeah, it's going to be a lot lighter. It'll be a lot lighter. (laughs) It'll be a lot lighter. And um, we're going to talk about the history of swearing of British swear words and the history of American swear words. Yeah. It probably will not be family friendly, but we're going to try to not make it. Taboo just to make it taboo. No. no. So you're not going to listen to us say the F word a thousand times. Gratuitously for no reason. reason. Yeah. But we're we're also not going to be saying the F word. I'm going to say it at least once so you understand what I'm talking about. Just for clarity of all things. And I'm going to look at some historical swearing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to look at some euphemisms yes. for swearing, some words that are British said, euphemisms. British yes. euphemisms instead of swearing. So you're in polite company and you need to swear, but... You stubbed your toe and you hurt really badly. Yeah. You got to get that energy out. We'll, we'll tell you how to do we'll it t- in polite company. We will, in polite company. It's actually been shown by scientists that swearing when you hurt yourself actually mentally relieves the pain. Oh, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It acts as like a natural painkiller. It's like you're getting it out or you're distracting yourself from it. Okay, that's cool. Um, so, so that's the next episode? Yes, and we will see you for the next episode, 37. And until then, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be, see you on... And be nice to each other. Yeah, be nice to each other. After these two episodes, I think we have good evidence that it's probably better to be nice to each other. But until then... Enjoy your week. Goodbye. Bye.